It's time for the Limitless Leadership Lounge in partnership with Heroes for All. Do you want to be a leader? In a constantly changing world, our emerging leaders look different, come from various backgrounds and from all different age groups. Leadership is changing and it's hard to keep up. But the good news, you can be a leader too. You can be an emerging leader. Welcome to the Limitless Leadership Lounge, a tri-generational conversation for emerging leaders. Come spend some time with us to discuss leadership from three angles. The coach, Jim Johnson. The professor, Dr. Anuma Kareem. The host, John Gehring, a monthly guest. And you. Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. So come on in and make yourself comfortable. And welcome on into another week of the Limitless Leadership Lounge, a tri-generational conversation for emerging leaders. Thanks so much for having us on this week, um, whether you're in your car, whether you're doing a, a task around the house, we hope that this session can give you some actionable leadership advice to take with you into your life. We just want to remind you whether you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or up on our new YouTube channel, uh, please leave us a like or subscribe or whatever uh, you do to make sure that you don't miss an episode that we put out because we want to help you, the young and emerging leader. Now, uh, Coach has, of course, brought on another really special guest today. So I'm going to turn it over to, to you, Coach, to introduce our, our guest and we'll get started today. Sounds great. Dr. Kenry, that I uh, had the pleasure to actually listen to him on another podcast, and uh, I reached out to him. We actually had lunch together and uh, uh, had a nice time. And uh, Dr. Ken is actually the Dean of Leadership and Business at Nazareth College. Um, and this is, she, you're just completing your fourth year, right, Dr. Ken? Yes, uh, that's correct. And, and uh, so he actually, uh, Nazareth College, for those that are listening, is a, uh, in a suburb of Rochester. And actually, uh, most of you probably don't know or care, really, but I actually was an assistant coach at Nazareth College about 30 years ago. So, <laughs> so I, I do have a, a, a little bit, and I've had a couple players play for Nazareth College, uh, being a former basketball coach as well. Um, but Dr. Ken actually got his uh, doctor from Case West. Reserve. Uh, actually, before he came to Nazareth, he was the associate dean for the college business administration at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse. And he's also had some other positions in colleges as well. He's been a longtime college professor, and we're really excited to have him. So, first of all, before I ask my first question, Dr. Kent, uh, we'd like to welcome you to the Limitless Leadership Lounge. Uh, thank you. And um, thank you for your invitation. I look forward to spending time with you all. And hopefully, you know, uh, we'll be able to make some contribution about leadership. Awesome. We're, we're lo looking forward to it. So I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to ask you two questions, one at a time. And then uh, our other panelists will, uh, will hit you with questions as well. So the first question is, I'm just curious, you being involved with leadership for a long time, how do you define leadership? Wow. Uh, tough question to start the uh, the podcast. No softballs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what what does it mean to lead? And obviously, you know, when I think about leadership, um, unlike the concept of management, leadership involves relationship with followers, 
you cannot lead somebody unless there's somebody to lead. So there is that relations between leaders and followers. So to me, the leadership is all about that relationship and how the, the relationship is being built and how the relationship is being uh, used to advance your objectives or goals or the, uh, the everyone's objectives and goals. So the leadership is defined in terms of followers than the relations between the leader and followers and, and how the, the relations can define in terms of the, um, the future, achieving future objectives. Great. That's uh, outstanding. And, and my one uh, follow-up question is, you know, in your many years studying various leaders, what would you say are two or three key attributes of people that you've seen that have been successful leaders? Okay. Uh, I think the uh, first and foremost, the uh, importance is for the leaders to um, think about uh, the importance of the serving others, meaning that the, uh, you, you are really uh, to, uh, there to help others succeed. So it's not about you. And, and a lot of times people think about being a leader means that you have a fancy office, you got big, big fat paychecks, and you got, you know, the, uh, the um, you know, you have a great big, big house, yacht, and what have you, but that's not about leadership. Leadership is about serving other people. So I always tell my students, it's not about you. It's really about helping others. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the fundamental basis for effective leadership. Um, I think the second thing that comes to mind is also doing something for common good. Mm -hmm. It's not just about making profit for your company, your employees, but what can you do to help the humanity? What can you do to help the common, generate the common good? I think having serving others and generating common good, the combination of two can really generate effective leadership. And if I look at what's happening right now, I think we have a lack of those two things happening. And uh, there is a dear uh, uh, outstanding leadership because of many leaders fail to recognize those two concepts or two to a basic um, principles of leadership as I think about it. Yeah, and you're so correct. I mean, see all around us, like those uh, leaders who are, sustain who are sustaining the leadership or have the prominent leadership, still they have a legacy. They always focused on the common good. Uh, even um, Steve Jobs, he did not want it to earn, uh, earn profit, but he wanted to provide a product so that everybody is helped. And from there, profit automatically came. So it's so important that you mentioned that serving others and common good is so important. And um, as you are in the field of education, I was wondering, uh, what do you think the role of universities, uh, what role could university play to build leaders for tomorrow? We often see that from the assembly line, students are uh, just graduating and often, in the job, uh, they are uh, the employers are complaining that we don't have enough leaders from the students. Mm -hmm. uh, so, how what role can universities and education system play to build more leaders for the future? Great question. I'm going to be a blunt and really yes. be honest. Sure. I, th I think we, as an entire society, has failed to develop effective leadership. 
Mm. And that goes to uh, K through 12 universities, um, organizations after, you know, students graduate and, and, and uh, obtain employment for the companies they work for. I think all throughout the process, I think we are not doing an effective job mm. of cultivating and, and developing le- um, um, effective leadership. And, 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 and there are many different reasons as to why. But for if I'm focusing on universities or academic uh, environment, um, I think one of the key reasons is that uh, I think the academia, whether it's the K through 12, whether it's through uh, universities, we tend to uh, spend a lot of time focusing on uh, subject matter, the content. And, and it's, you know, of course, we have to teach our students English, math, social science, you know, you know so forth, so on. So there's content knowledge that, the, uh, that needs to be um, learned through schooling. But to me, leadership is more than simply learning concepts and ideas. Right. Uh, it's more than um, learning about theories about leadership. It's about learning this, uh, the right set of skills and competencies to demonstrate effective behaviors that leads to uh, effective leadership. And I think a lot of times the, uh, the schools and universities have failed to grasp the concept that it's not about just teaching them how to uh, learn the knowledge-based subject matters, but it's also give them opportunities to practice. You know, we talked about uh, action learning or experiential learning. Through those uh, activities, you can develop the skills or the competencies you need to be more effective when it comes to uh, uh, leadership. But I think a lot of times we, do, we tend to focus on uh, knowledge. And, and one of my mentors always talked about knowledge is necessary, but not sufficient for effective leadership. Mm-hmm. So yes, we need to uh, teach uh, students the basic knowledge uh, or theories that needs to, uh, for them to learn. And we need to uh, create subject matter experts but leadership is more than simply having subject matter experts. You can study finance, for instance, and become a finance expert. But leadership is more than just knowing about finance. It's right. knowing about how to engage others. You know, we talked about helping others and doing all that. So it's, it's really learning how to do that. And that takes more than simply assimilating facts and knowledge. So we have to go beyond that. Unfortunately, the whole school system is it's not designed to do that. We seems to focus on facts and knowledge throughout. I mean, think about how people are being uh, graded. They're being tested. And to mm-hmm. me, and one of the funny things I always encounter when people ask me, well, we need to test leadership. And I say, well, what are you going to do? You're going to give them an exam yeah. as far as what the leadership is concerned. And believe me, there are courses in leadership um, that we teach that students actually take tests. And I have to, um, you know, think about that for a second and say, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, it's not about taking tests and, 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 and getting the, uh, the correct answers. It's, it's, it's all about learning how to uh, build a relationship, learning how to uh, uh, develop others, helping others to, uh, to succeed. And these are things more than simply about memorizing facts and knowledge base. And I think it's also problem solving. When you are into a scenario, the leaders always continuously have to solve problem. Uh, and from my own experience, when I was a student in the college, 
I was involved in so many different clubs, debating club, international student club. And from there developing program, I learned how to apply the marketing strategies. I learned how to apply strategic management. <clears throat> so all those kind of things were applied when I was actually doing programs or uh, running programs. So I mm -hmm. think these kind of extracurricular activities within the college setting, if uh, connected with courses, could really help to develop leaders. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and one of the things I talked about, the importance of um, the, the universities or any type of schools is, is focusing on developing a whole person. So it's not just focusing on the cognitive or the conceptual, conceptual aspects of your knowledge, but right. also giving them how to uh, develop the, uh, the right set of skills to work with, collaborate with others, learn how to, uh, to become more aware of your emotions, mm. help manage your own and others' emotions. And I think all these things are part of developing a whole person. And I think that's important for us to do that. I'm talking with Dr. Ken Ree from Nazareth College and getting some leadership insight um, from a higher education perspective, which is interesting because you think about students in higher education, um, typically, well, not always, but typically are younger and, and young professionals. And, and that's who you're teaching. And that's also who we're, we're targeting um, on the Limitless Leadership Lounge, too. But I'm curious because a lot of times a challenge for students is coming from high school, still having that high school mentality of of turning things in and assignments and, and being the leaded, not the leader. Now, how do you instill the fact that as a college student, you are a leader already instead of only, you know, prepping students to be leaders in the future in some distant 10, 20 years down the road, like we might consider, you know, leadership to be. How do we establish the fact like you defined leadership earlier, that leadership is something that we all are already right now? Yeah, sure. I, I think it has to do with um you know, giving students opportunities to um, take leadership uh, positions, um, whether it's the uh, inside the class or outside the class. So, you know, you talked about having clubs or having extracurricular activities. These are the opportunities you can have for students to take uh, leadership positions to practice leadership. But also, even in class, you could actually design your classroom activities so that students can actually lead. You know, I had activities in class where they have to uh, lead a class for uh, for uh, for entire class. So they have to come prepare whole lesson plans and deliver the lesson and, and lead the, uh, the classroom uh, during that assigned time where they have to lead the class. So they actually, are, you know, put, put in a position where they become a leader of the classroom, which is my job, obviously, but what I've done is to delegate the responsibility to students so that they have opportunities to learn by doing it. And, 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 and by having given them the opportunity to do that, uh, students actually uh, usually come back and say, wow, I didn't realize how tough it is to lead a class. You know, I thought you just come in and do things, but in order to prepare, plan, and deliver, they learned how to do that from the the, the studying phase all the way to the end. And they also get feedback from student, other students in class as to how they uh, planned and delivered and conducted the class. So it's really a, a, a tremendous learning experience for them. But um, I have to be honest, 
I have not seen too many of my colleagues who have done things like that. Um, so I think it's important for us to recognize that only way the student's going to learn how to lead is you have to give them the opportunities to lead. Mm-hmm. Now, it, sometimes it means that they might fail first time they try it, right. but you have to continue to give them the opportunities to learn from their experience. And to me, that's really the key is giving them opportunities to learn from the experience. And, and, and you take that uh, one step more so you're not just giving them the experience. And oh, so I, let me step back. Another failure I see in many times in, in a, uh, happening in universities or in, in a, um, the classroom setting is that maybe sometimes the students are given the opportunities to do something. For instance, you put them in a team and you give them a team project. So they have to um, you know, function as a team and, and execute but they do not have opportunity to learn from their experience because typically at the end of the semester, you submit your assignment, your team assignment, and that's it, that's the end. So basically uh, you walk away from your experience without learning from it. So I think it's important to design a, a experience in your course where students not only have opportunities to engage in a, a activity and, and experience, but giving them also the opportunities to learn from their experience so that they can apply their learning in the future. Yeah, I love that. That's a more transferable skill uh, right off the bat and, and should help smooth that transition from education to the professional world and, and make that, that smoother for them and also probably help them in their personal lives as well. I mean, we always talk about professional lives, but, but have you, you seen um, that sort of practice that, that you give your students to, to lead lead the class, help them, you know, be confident, be public speakers, be all sorts of things that, that help them in their personal lives too? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that's important. And, you know, I usually uh, joke to people when I went through my own MBA program, I had a, a team project every course I took. So I had a, uh, I don't know how many opportunities for me to be in a teams, but if you ask me, whether I learned anything about teamwork, I would say, no, I did not learn anything <laughs> about teamwork. In fact, I would have told you at, at the end of the end of the program that I had a miserable experience or miserable time being in teams uh, and, and I hate working in teams. And it, believe me, if I ask my students now, it's like, you know, what's been your experience of working in teams? And they will tell you that, oh, it's, it's not great, um, miserable. I must rather do my uh, work on my own. And, and please do not have any team project for this class. So I think it's important for us to recognize, once again, it's not about putting them into experience, but how we can help them learn from their own experience so that they can actually improve for the future. Yeah, uh, Ken, you, you talked about, you've mentioned teams now uh, in a couple of your last answers here. I'm curious, if you were to advise a, a young leader that was just taking over, uh, and had to build a team, what would you recommend or, you know, any ideas you would give them in picking people that would be effective for their team? I learned this from my own experience um, that I think it's important to think about the dynamic of the entire team. And I think typically what happens when we select team members, we tend to think that, okay, i got to pick the, it's like when you play a, a pick a basketball, you tend to think that, okay, I have a couple of people I need to pick for my team. So I'm going to pick the best basketball player I can find there. So I pick one, two, three, four. These are all best 
players, I think they can help me. But I never think about how do they together with me as a team interact and what's the dynamic of our interaction within the team. But we, well, I never thought about that or we, we tend not to think about that. So as a result, uh, what typically happens is that sometimes it works great, sometimes it fails miserably. And, and even professional basketball teams, you see that happening, that you got the best players come together, but the, somehow they cannot win championships because they just don't have the right dynamics or chemistry, or some people call it chemistry with each other. So I think it's important for whoever's picking the teams or uh, uh, composing teams, whether you're a uh, GM for the uh, professional teams or your uh, somebody coaches uh, picking your um, starting lineup for your team. I think you have to really think about not just the individual talent, but think about how do they interact and work together as an entire team? And do, do they have quote unquote chemistry? And, and, and you know this, uh, Jim, being a coach, that sometimes that's more important than having the best talent, <laughs> the best individual talent. Yeah, a great example right now with the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA <laughs> with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that probably are two considered two of the best players on the planet. Yet they're uh, they're probably going to get swept in there in the playoffs. <laughs> so uh, you're, you're absolutely right on that. Well, if you remember that the uh, you know, one time Lakers had uh, you know a lot of great players, and until Phil Jackson became the coach, they just couldn't win a championship. Right. So what Jackson recognized is that it's not just about individual talent. It's about the uh, interactions, that, that chemistry that they have as a team that makes a huge difference. I think sports is a, such a great field to learn leadership from. There are so many anecdotes we can take to the real life from sports. Um, but the, can uh, another question from because I was uh, I was involved uh, I was an assistant professor for a long time and I experienced different department uh, strategies and politics and all those kind of thing. So and uh, what is your take on how like do we need to also teach the administration and also the faculties on how to lead a class or how to lead a department. Because sometimes I have seen ego clash or not understanding people's emotion, all those things can even collapse that whole environment of a, uh, of a department. What is, what is your take on it? Or how could you improve um, on these kind of leadership skills for the faculties or administrat administrators in an academic setting? Yeah, so um, this may be very controversial, but <laughs> we, ha we have to change the way we teach our doctoral students. Right. Um, now, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, my field is organizational behavior. So I actually, I studied that, but also went to a doctoral program where I had the opportunities to learn both theory and practice. But most of the doctoral program tend to be uh, solely focused on theory, not on practice. Mm. So uh, I think the important thing about doctoral program should be is that how the program can integrate theory and practice so that they can teach the students not only about how to do research, but how to teach, how to uh, facilitate teams, and how do uh, you coach your students, all those extra set of skills that not being even mentioned in the doctoral program right. needs to be um, you know, incorporated into their curriculum and be able to be uh, uh, learned from the, uh, by the doctoral students. 
I think in the long run, it's going to really help the uh, the higher education. Unfortunately, such a um, change doesn't happen <laughs> uh, quickly, or um, you know, it, it it's all about how things kind of perpetuate itself. So you you go through your doctoral program, and this is how you learn during your program. So when you become a professor teaching your doctoral students, well, what you do is you teach what you learn, right. which which is natural. So and then of course that the whole cycle perpetuates because that's that's what you do. I mean, this is how you know, you know how to do research. I'm going to teach you how to do research. And that thing perpetuates. And, and unless there is some disruption in the process, I don't think it's going to change. And I think continuous learning is a process, those of us who are in the academic, we cannot just focus on our field, but it's continuous learning of effective teaching, continuous learning of uh, working with others. And um, there are institutions that can, even in the universities, facilitate these kind of continuous learning or motivate faculties to grow as leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, do, do you, uh, in uh, Nazareth College, do you have like any kind of this kind of a platform where faculties could learn from each other and grow? Oh, uh, yeah. So it's a, we engage in faculty development all the time. And we also help faculty attend uh, conferences where they can learn about how to be uh, more effective teachers, more effective facilitators. So there are opportunities for faculty to uh, expand and be able to engage in those. For a lot of faculty, though, they don't get the opportunity to do that. So they tend to focus on their own thing. I mean, that's one of the things happening in many universities that, you know, being a faculty, you, are, you, are, you have the autonomy. So basically, you focus on doing your own thing. And a lot of times that means you focus on doing your research, doing your publications. And, and, and again, that seems to perpetuate. So mm -hmm. I, I really think that only way the higher education can change is there is a, that disruptive force that comes. And I think right. COVID happened to be one. So I think mm -hmm. that kind of gave us the wake up call. It's like, oh, we better think about how we're going to proceed in the future. But I think the... Um, in, in terms of uh, faculty, there needs to be another destruction that comes in and says, you know, I think it's important for you to learn not just about how to publish papers, but right. also how to facilitate, coach, and help students learn and develop. And and to me, that that's one of the big objectives for being a faculty is helping students learn and change. And unfortunately, you know, um, most faculty are not trained to do that or then I equip to help students do that. So yeah, the role model and mentoring that that is so important. Um, I think as a faculty, because a lot of students come up and look up to us uh, for advice or mentoring. So uh, and for me also, like just one faculty in one of my communication class, uh, after observing my presentation said uh, that, oh, Rehnuma, you should think about going for academics. You are so good at presentation. And that one motivating word really pushed me into the field of academics. So sometimes we consciously or unconsciously sometimes motivate to build leaders mm -hmm. that we don't know even. Sure. No, I think it's I think it's very important. I think one of the key role for faculty is to help students um, grow and develop. And it's not just about helping them learn about their subject matter, but how do I mean it, it goes back to focusing on a whole person. 
Right. You know, if you think of student, not just as somebody who comes to your class to learn about your subject matter, but to, to become a, a better person or grow as a better person, then I think you have a very different approach to helping the student change. Right. Whereas if you could just go in thinking that my job is to impart knowledge on this particular student about this particular subject matter, then you're going to be doing things that's very different. Yeah, Dr. Ken, I, I think it's an incredible trend in this in this world right now, uh, this idea of the personal brand. And I'm curious to get your thoughts um, from your perspective on this, because unlike how it used to be when we all, you know, wore shirts that had our, our brand's logos on them and, you know, we, we all worked under a brand, so to speak, now it feels like whether you're you know, an 18 year old social media influencer, or whether you're a young <laughs> professional who's hopping job to job every year, the more important quality of leadership is to be able to lead yourself and your own brand. So could you talk a little bit about what that looks like now um, at Nazareth, as far as how you prepare young individuals to continue keeping up their professional brand and personal brand? And what does that look like to lead your yourself? Yeah, I think I think one thing we um, talk a lot about is branding, not just as the marketing gimmick that you engage in, you know, to market yourself to others, but branding in terms of discovering your authentic self. And, and I think that's something that's very important. So uh, one of the things, you know, whenever I study effective leadership, one key attribute that always comes up, it pops up every single time, is that outstanding leaders are very self-aware. The self-awareness seems to be the foundation of effective leadership. So, so when you talk about personal brand, I'm, I'm really focusing on um, self-awareness, finding your authentic self. And how do you go about doing that? And I think the university or the uh, program can really help facilitate the process by helping you discover more about yourself. But that's a personal discovery uh, should be part of your curriculum. Unfortunately, some do, some don't. Some universities do have those that, that courses or other activities that are designed to help you discover more about yourself as part of the curriculum. Uh, other universities, there, there's nothing like that in, in their curriculum. Basically, their curriculum consists of base, uh, you know, the, the diff different subject you have to study. So, so I think I think these are the key differentiator when it comes to focusing on, you know, how the university can help individual students to learn more about themselves to discover their authentic self. I think that's the key key first step in developing any type of leadership. And you uh, this you uh, talked about uh, those kind of courses. I think Harvard and UCLA they have courses on designing life. And they are the most popular courses because it creates that foundation and self-awareness and all those elements that you talked about to find your authentic self. Because without being authentic, how can we really be authentic leaders in our field? Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for bringing, uh, bringing that out. Oh, sure. And, and, and obviously, uh, everyone needs to uh, engage in, in a process where they can discover themselves. Right. Um, so I think it's an important part of their uh, um, development process. And if you design a curriculum to do that, it can be done. Mm. Uh, but it has to be intentional. 
Yes. Uh, I think I think a lot of times what we have assumed is that well, students go through you know four years of college and they will somehow discover about themselves. And if it happens, great. If not, well, you know. <laughs> so I think I think these are the type of things we have to really think more about and says why why not just you know don't leave it to a chance that sometimes students will discover about themselves, but that's mm-hmm. intentionally designed a program or a curriculum where students have have the opportunities to engage in a process of self-discovery. Yeah. Oh, I love that because I, I think of, you know, the classroom for me spending over four years, you know, getting my undergraduate and graduate degree. And that is somewhere where you you find yourself both in that classroom and in that um you know, just campus, all the different variety of, of people that you meet. And a lot of people talk about finding themselves like in the woods or, you know, going on a hike or something. And and I don't know, I, I feel like you need other people um, to understand who you are. You need to be exposed to other people. Do you feel that that as well? Like the iron sharpens the iron around you and, and how you really find yourself is not by taking some meditation walk for, you know, for, for two weeks, but for by actually being immersed in in that sort of environment? Yeah, sure. And, and you know, I think even though I said self-discovery or discovering authentic self is the first step, I didn't say it's the, the final or the only step. It's the first step. And if I, if you remember how we started the whole conversation, I talked about leader and followers. It's all about relationships. So in order to be an effective leader, you just cannot focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though you start out with being more self-aware, you have to engage with others. That means you have to become more aware of others. You have to learn how others behave and what motivates them and how to help them change and develop. So that becomes a part of the interactive process of being a leader. So I think it's important for the leaders to recognize that self-awareness uh, does help you to do that. So it starts with yourself not, and, and then hopefully that translates into uh, engaging with others and help you learn more about others. So, so there is that relationship that you, uh, there, there is that sequence that happens. So, so I usually typically talk to students about, you know, it starts with yourself but then the circle kind of expands to include others. You know, so when you think about self as the core, because that's who you are, but then you got, you know, others like teams, then you got organizations, then you got the, uh, the, your, your, uh, the community, and then you got global community. I mean, all those things are interconnected or interrelated. So um, I, th- I think it's important to recognize the, the connections interconnections that happens, even though it starts with you, the self-discovery, but it, the circle expands. And I think that's, that's the difference between being a, a, a self-guru mm-hmm. versus being a leader. That right. if, you, you know, if you focus on yourself and become self-aware, yeah, you can become a, um, you know, focus on meditation, what have you, and you can be a, um, Henry David Thoreau and go into the go into Walden and, and, and learn more by yourself. But then that stops right there in yourself. So to me, that's not about leadership. Leadership always engage means engaging with others. So that's, you have to expand the circle. Exactly. Ken, uh, being a student of leadership for a long time, and one of my favorite little slogans is I believe effective leaders are readers. 
what would be three books you would recommend to a young leader that they should read to help them become better leaders? Oh, wow. I mean, there are so many. (laughs) (laughs) If I have to pick a couple, there are different reasons as to why. But I think the first thing, I wouldn't mention any books, but I would mention that you should read a variety of different subjects. Not just, you know, because when you say, oh, I want to learn about leadership, I'm just going to pick up leadership books. My recommendation would be to read about science, read about travels, read about, um, you know, read fictions, the uh, novels about the human sufferings or whatever um, that novelist really focuses on the human endeavors, because that understanding more about how people behave, how people think and what motivates them helps you you to become a more effective leader anyway. So I really, the first advice is read as widely as possible. Mm-hmm. Don't just say focus on this particular subject because that's what I'm interested in. Just read anything that is something that interests you. And it goes starts from science all the way to the business, all the way to, um, to sociology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your take on philosophy? Do you think philosophy is also a crucial element? for leadership uh, leaders to know and learn and grow from it oh yeah that's that's all part of philosophy history mm-hmm. uh and when i was undergraduate students you know some of my favorite courses were philosophy mm-hmm. uh history um i took a course in uh, um intellectual history mm-hmm. uh that was um very helpful uh, even now i draw on some of the um the ideas and concepts that I learned in that particular class. Um, so it's it really important psychology. I mean, you really have to expand yourself mm-hmm. because the ideas can come from anywhere. So it's not just about this particular uh, uh, area or subject matter, but you can make the, you can connect the dots mm-hmm. through different um, subject matters. And I think that's the recognition of different uh, patterns it becomes very important when it comes to engaging in any strategic thinking or uh, creativity, you know, what have you. So I think it's important for you to do that. So really have a diverse interest to read, you know, as much as, um, as you can. One of the books I'm reading now is about genetics. And of Mm. course I I don't study genetics, but Mm. it's important to, um, you know, I have interest in how human genes may impact how people change and how people uh, develop. So I think it's important for us to really have that breadth of, of interest and, 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 and knowledge. Right. Um, one, one business book, um, if you're interested in developing uh, emotional intelligence, um, the one book I would recommend would be uh, Dan Goldman's, um, his book is called Working with Emotional Intelligence. Right. And the reason I recommend that book is that he actually uh, gives you the, uh, kind of a blueprint or a map of what skills or competencies you need to learn, you know, to become more emotionally intelligent. And he provides tons of examples. Mm. So it's really a very uh, kind of helpful book if you want to become more effective when it comes to developing your leadership or emotional intelligence to have that kind of blueprint or the map to learn from. So that would be something I would recommend. I'm so glad that you mentioned this book because I read that book and it was so helpful. And it shows that IQ is not the only determinant 
uh, for leaders, but EQ plays such an right. important role. Well, it goes back to that developing a whole person. Right. Because right. if you only focus on your brain or conceptual part of your brain, then you're limiting yourself in terms of your own development. Mm -hmm. By expanding it, you're actually uh, becoming a much uh, better uh, person and better leader by you know, developing your whole self. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, as we uh, begin to run out of time here, we do want to thank you, Dr. Ken, for, for coming on and, and giving us the insight uh, that you have, have learned over your time in, in education and working with students. Now, if there is a way for students to um, connect with you or for anyone, for that matter, to connect with you, maybe anyone who, who might be interested in the Nazareth uh, program, um, could you just tell us that the best way to uh, connect with you and um, learn more? Yeah, sure. The, probably the best way to connect with me is send send an email to me. My email address is krhee9 at naz.edu. Awesome. So kre9 at naz.edu. All right. We'll put that down in the show notes too. Um, for any prospective students, for anyone who just listened to our podcast today and 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 thought you made some great points or or um, how, whyever they want to get in touch with you, uh, we want to thank you for coming on today. Well, once again, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure um, to speak with you. And, um, you know, I think you all are doing a great job of having this podcast. And and I think the, uh, you know, people can learn so much from listening to your podcast. So once again, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so Dr. Much. Ken. It was, it was great, and uh, we look forward to staying in touch and uh, following your work. So uh, thanks so much for uh, your feedback today. Sure. Thank you. He is Dr. Ken Ree from Nazareth College. And um, again, if you like what we're doing here on the Limitless Leadership Lounge, we do want you to get in touch with us as well. I'm asking any questions, provide any insight that you may have from your leadership experience up on Facebook. We're the Limitless Leadership Lounge. Follow our page there and uh, be sure to drop your comments. And um, we look forward to seeing you again next week for another exciting episode with an interesting guest here on the Limitless Leadership Lounge. Thank you for joining us this week at the Limitless Leadership Lounge. To listen to this episode again and to find previous episodes, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. You can also get in on the conversation. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Then tell three of your friends to join in as well. Coach, Renuma, and John will be back again next week for another tri-generational leadership discussion. We'll talk to you then on the Limitless Leadership Lounge. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 